Good morning. Today's scripture reading is Second uh, Timothy chapter four, verses six through eight. Second Timothy verses four, chapter four, verses six through eight. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Good morning to everyone. It's good to see you this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, uh, we're thankful that you're here. We're happy you're here. Thank you for joining us, and we want you to come back. We want you to be with us every service that we have and uh, join us in the worship here uh, of God together. It's a beautiful day in many respects, and we uh, have much room for Thanksgiving. <clears throat> this morning, I want to discuss a subject matter that I hope will be encouraging to us. Uh, sometimes this particular area we're looking at uh, has its challenges, but uh, this morning's lesson is intended to encourage us that we can meet these challenges. There are various types of races that are carried on. We have automobile races, foot races, boat races, and so forth. And there are times when you see people struggling to finish a race. I recall a couple of times uh, seeing um, a foot race, you know, a track race, and you see someone running and something happens and they stumble and they fall. And uh, I've seen times when, when a, a fellow runner will stop and pick them up and, and help them to, to finish that race. I saw one time where <clears throat> a parent came out of the stands and uh, got their child and, and, and helped them to finish that race. It's important to finish the race. Well, in the passage that Brother Gladney did such a good job of reading a moment ago, uh, Paul talks about that through inspiration. And uh, in the translation that he used in the sec uh, verse 7, it says, I have finished my course, I have finished my race. Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about finishing the race. It's a seriously important thing to start the Christian race. I mean, actually, you know, if we don't start it, how can we end it? How can we finish it? It's seriously important to start it. However, it is just as serious to see it through, to finish it, to take it on through the end successfully. And Paul, in this passage, encourages us as he talks about this subject matter. And when we think about this, Paul is a wonderful example, and he gives us some wonderful teaching in these verses that would encourage us as far as finishing the race, completing what we've started. Let's look at some of the things that we're able to see here. First of all, <clears throat> there is the idea of preparation. In verse 6 there, he said, I am ready. He's ready. Well, what is it that he's looking that he's ready for? Well, obviously, it is death because he is facing death. 
Now, there are some who suppose that, you know, this may have been just moments before his death, just a, maybe a, a, an hour or so. Uh, well, we don't know, and so I'll just leave it there. But we know that it was sooner to come than it had been in, in other writings that he gave. But anyway, he's looking to the time in which, as James says, the spirit will separate from the body and he will experience physical death. Now that's in line for all of us. And there are none of us who are going to be able to avoid such. You know, if the Lord comes again, there's going to be a change there as well. But this is something that we face. <clears throat> we don't know exactly how or when uh, Paul died. We don't have uh, information that we can verify and say this is exactly it. But one would say, well, how could this man have such confidence? You know, how, how can he look? I mean, he is looking to the point that he's going to die. How can he face this with this kind of confidence? Well, the world knows nothing of this. Because you see, uh, those of the world who care not for God or the things of God, this world is all they have. And so they really can't face death with confidence. Because to them, there's nothing after that. Everything is here and now. But Paul understood God's teachings that God says there is something better for those who would follow Him. And Paul's prepared for that. And he worked in his lifetime, once he became a Christian, learned the truth, he prepared a lifetime for this moment. And if we are going to finish the race, we're going to have to do the same thing. This is not something that we need to sit back and think, well, okay, when I get this accomplished and I get that out of the way and I get this going and get this finished, then, you know, I'll, I'll work more on my Christianity. One question. Do you have any promise of the next minute? You know, for people who say, well, yes, I, I, I want to do more for the Lord. There's things I want to do. I want to get things in order in my life. Uh, I want to make a change in my life for the better as far as my Christianity is concerned here. You know, we better do it if it's in order. We better do it now. And there's times when, when preachers encourage they encourage themselves, they encourage others that if there needs to be a change in someone's life, they need to do it now. Because somehow we can fall under the guise of, well, I, I'm going to live till I retire. And after I retire, then I'll do more for the Lord. After I, we get our children reared, we'll, we'll do more for the Lord. When I attain this position in my job and things level out, I'll do more for the Lord. We don't have any promise of that. We have no promise. What we do for the Lord, we'd better be doing it now. There's no hope beyond now. And so what I'm saying is we prepare. We prepare now for that time and when it comes. You know, the last song we sang uh, concerning uh, the, the uh, angel band. What a beautiful song. Beautiful words to consider. But are we prepared for that? You see, Paul said he was prepared. We prepare by keeping the Lord's commandments every day. In John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's how we work to be prepared. 
We work to be prepared as we're told in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That's how we prepare. We prepare as we're told in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We prepare by doing these things. We prepare by following what God says and living our lives in accordance with his will now. And, you know, sometimes people, well, why, why do preachers, you know, why do you extend the invitation every time? It's to encourage people that need to change to do now. People need to repent that they do it now. People need to obey the gospel. They do it now. Not all of us in this room are going to live until our body just wears out and, and then we peacefully fall asleep. It's not going to happen. You know, when you get out on the highway around here, you could very well spend your last days or your last time, your last moment driving down the highway because you may get hit and your life could end. You know, we don't know what's going on inside our bodies. You know, sometimes that's sort of a frightening thing if you think about it too much. You don't need to think about it a whole lot. But, you know, we never know what's going on inside there. And, you know, people drop dead all the time in a moment's notice. And how many, we could just go on and on and on talking about things that could happen. And this is not from a scare tactic. This is just from a practical standpoint that we need to prepare, as Paul said he prepared. But secondly, involved is sacrifice. Paul viewed his life as a sacrifice. He said, for I am now ready to be offered. The idea of being poured out as a drink offering. Poured out may allude uh, even to the anticipation of the shedding of his own blood. He might have been thinking about that. When you think about the drink offering and you look back at the Old Testament and you can do some study on that, you look back at Numbers chapter 15 and you see how that uh, when an animal was going to be slain and sacrificed, there was poured out, it was called a drink offering. And Paul has said, I'm, I'm ready to be poured out as this offering. He is ready. He sacrificed his life, and he's ready to sacrifice it in the giving of that life for the Lord to finish his race. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, I sacrificed. I sacrificed what I would otherwise have been doing with my life. I sacrificed that to give it to God. Now, not all of us, obviously, are going to stand in the position of carrying that out as Paul did or as other people in similar situations in the manner they did. Because all, everyone's not going to be a preacher like that and a missionary. But every one of us are called to do that. Every one of us are called to have ourselves a sacrifice. Uh, we are reminded of Romans chapter 12 in the first two verses where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, what? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. He's saying that's what we need to do. Our life needs to be a sacrifice to God. Yes, we're thankful. In this room, we have people that carry out uh, various kinds of work in your life. 
whether you're going at an office or whether you're out in the field working or whether you're a lady at home doing the work of a homemaker, whatever it is. We have a lot of different working people in this congregation, and we're thankful for those opportunities. But at the same time, in the midst of all of that, there must be that life that's sacrificed to God. We must be willing to sacrifice ourselves in service to Him. Now, we sacrifice for a lot of things in life. But number one, we need to sacrifice for God. Paul goes on and he shows us what helps him to finish the race. In verse 7, he talks about a willingness to fight. I have fought a good fight. The Christian life is often described as a conflict of war. We find in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 the following, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You only put armor on for one thing, and that's to fight. You don't need armor if you're going to run away. You know, it's often been said when you talk about armor that, that there's nothing to cover the backside. Why? Because you don't turn and run. That's not what you do. You go forward. We are soldiers in the Lord's army. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. And the, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Are you a soldier for Jesus? If not, something's wrong. You know, none of us are called to be cheerleaders on the sideline. We're to be soldiers in the battle. Every one of us. That's our calling. We're to be soldiers for the Lord and fight for Him. And soldiers fight. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. We're called to battle against Satan and against his forces. Finishing the race doesn't mean that we're perfect, by the way. Doesn't mean we're sinlessly perfect. And, and so... No, Paul looked upon himself and he says, you know, I'm chief of sinners, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. But he changed and he went forward. Now, he wasn't perfect and he would tell you he's not perfect. But one of the things that helped him to finish the race was his willingness to fight. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Pressing toward that mark. Pressing toward that finish. He was continually striving for it. He was fighting the good fight of faith. And every one of us are called upon to fight the good fight of faith. We're to stand hand in hand together with our Lord for his cause. But he also said in verse 7 that he had a desire to finish. You know, there needs to be that desire. Sometimes <clears throat> there is a great push in our lives when we come to an understanding that we're lost and we need God and we need salvation both for a better life here and the marvelous life hereafter. And we, boy, I need to do that. And we get a, a, a wonderful start, 
but do we desire to finish? We desire that start. Do we have just as great a desire to carry through to the end that race as we had when we started it? Think about this. How much did we know when we first obeyed the gospel? Those of us who are Christians, how much did we know when we first obeyed the gospel? I hope we did not know, or let me put this way, I hope we know more now than we knew then. Because we're supposed to be growing, aren't we? Well, as I grow in my knowledge of scriptural teaching, I grow in my knowledge of God and His ways and why He sets things out as He does and what I have to hope for and the importance of the sacrifice of Christ and that blood that He shed for me, as I see that, I should have even more desire to finish than I did to start. Because as I grow, I learn more and I gain more uh, knowledge of the greatness of God and what He does for me, and what He has for me now, and what He has for me hereafter, why shouldn't I desire even more stronger to finish the course than when I started it? Doesn't that stand to reason? If I don't, then maybe I haven't been studying as I should. Maybe I haven't been taking into my heart the things that I've been listening to or reading as I should. And maybe I need to get more intent on it. When you look at, at this word finish, it is actually in perfect tense in the original. And that refers to something which began in the past and has continuing effects. You see, Paul began that when he obeyed the gospel. But there were those continuing effects. Well, what drove Paul? Desire. You know, desire is a strong motivating factor. Well, to, to desire, there must be something to be desired. You know, we, we have a lot of things in life that we desire. There are some things we will never have that we might desire, and that's okay. We are blessed, as was mentioned, I think, in the prayer this morning. We need to be thankful for what we're blessed with. And, and sometimes, yes, uh, Larry, I, I agree with you. You know, sometimes we think, oh, we're, we're having it rough. And <laughs> Do we really know what rough is nowadays? Some do. Don't get me wrong. There may be some here who do. So I'm not belittling that at all. I'm just saying, you know, we, we have it good. God blesses us greatly. We ought to have the desire to finish that race. We ought to desire the time into which we are able to see God face to face. Able to be with Him. Able to put behind us all the cares and the troubles and the heartaches of this life. But behind us, all the sinfulness that stands as a challenge to us. We ought to desire that to help us finish the race. If we're going to go to the distance, we have to have that desire. Paul went on in verse 7, and he talked about, I fought a good fight, I finished the course, I have kept the faith. You see, the only way we're going to finish the course as we should, is to keep the faith. This word keep means to attend to carefully, take care of, to guard one in the state in which he is. Paul worked to guard carefully that which was entrusted to him. And that is the truth of God's word. And we need to work diligently in our lives to keep the faith. If we're going to finish the race, 
And when I mean finish the race, I mean finish it properly, not just live to the end of your life. That's not what we're talking about. That's no race. That's just going to happen. The race, the Christian race, to finish that, we're going to have to keep the faith. If I don't keep the faith, I'm not going to finish it. He had maintained faithfulness to Jesus Christ in spite of suffering. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For which cause I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. The good things which I have committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. You see, one of the things that encouraged Paul to keep the faith is that he knew God would keep his promises. And he knew God was faithful to everything that he said. And we ought to remember that. In keeping the faith, in standing and fighting that good fight of faith, we need to realize that God is always faithful to every promise and that he will bless us in it. One last thing is motivation. For going the distance. You know, in this life, there are times when we get tired. You know, no matter your age in here, there are times when you just get tired. We think sometimes our little ones don't ever get tired because, man, they are just going and going. And if you have two or three kids, I don't have to tell you that, do I? When one's resting, the other's going all the time. It seems like, where is she down? But have you ever seen those little ones? Boy, they'll be going all of a sudden, they just fall over, they're out, gone. Not for long. Doesn't take them much and they're going again. They recharge quicker than any batteries we have. But some of you also realize that the older we get in life, the easier it is that we tire sometimes. But no matter what age we are, we don't have to tire when it comes to our Christianity. We don't have to tire when it comes to doing God's will and what we're able to do. Yes, sometimes our opportunities change. You know, there are individuals here that used to be at, at, uh, visiting the hospitals and, and visiting uh, sick and visiting new prospects and, and things of that nature, and, and they're just physically not able to do that as much anymore. And that's understandable. But they take on other roles. And those of us who watch them come in here, and sometimes we sit and think how much it costs them in their morning this morning. How early they had to get up to just get prepared to get here. And that example means so much to us. That example speaks volumes as far as their dedication to the Lord. Motivation, the crown of righteousness. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now we could talk more about this crown and what it means, but it's a crown won in the cause of righteousness. James describes it as a crown of life. In James 1 and verse 12, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Oh, this ought to be a motivating factor. That crown of life. <clears throat> he says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. That day, Jesus appointed a day. Jesus appointed a time. He will judge the living and the dead, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. This is an appointment that he is going to do, Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 and 31. For some, 
It will be a pronouncement of condemnation. For others, it will be a day of glorification, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and following. But then Paul says, not to, be, not to me only, but to also all those that love his appearing. The same hope, the same reward is available for every one of us. And it will be provided likewise to those who desire his coming. So we are to set our hope on the grace that is to be revealed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Didn't put verse 18 of chapter 4 in 2 Timothy into the reading. But, you know, we could, we could jump over there and realize that, yes, he says there are going to be many afflictions along the way, but the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Satan is always throwing things in front of us, always trying to ensnare us or trip us up as Christians. But he says God will deliver us always. The pre preservation for the kingdom, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 18, and preserve to rescue from danger or destruction me from his heavenly kingdom. Paul had confidence in the preserving power of our Lord, and he knew God would finish what he'd started. In Philippians 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And knowing that while we seek to finish this race, and Satan throws all these temptations in front of us to try to slow us down and stop us, to discourage us. We find in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 the following encouragement. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Folks, we need to remember that passage. We need to understand the power that's in that passage that God promises us. Well, do we have that same trust? Are we to the point in our Christianity that we have the same trust that Paul has in those promises of God? Knowing that we are kept by the power of God, as is mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 5, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, Paul talks about finishing the race. And he said he has finished it. But then he says it's to all of you. That crown of righteousness is for every one of us who finish the race. There's a lot that can be brought out here, but, but that's to help us and remind us a little bit of the importance of these verses and what Paul is trying to encourage us in. Paul is encouraging us to finish the race. As I mentioned in the beginning, you can't finish something you haven't started. And if you're not a Christian, we can help you learn how to be a Christian. We can learn, help teach you from the Word of God what it takes to obey the gospel plan of salvation. And we can help you do that, that the blood of Christ can wash away your sins. We mentioned concerning preparation. We mentioned how important that preparation is. And for those of us who are Christians, we have to continue that preparation. I mentioned concerning the importance of how we need to have our lives right. And that there may be times in which we need to make changes so that we can continue preparing. And how we have no hope for tomorrow. Not even for the next moment. And maybe now is a time that you need to make some change in your life and repent. And get things back on the road of preparation. 
in order to finish the race. Marvelous teachings from the Word of God to encourage us today. Paul's looking to us when he wrote this through inspiration and telling us, yes, you can finish the race. If we may help you in the encouragement of being prepared and finishing the race, we hope these words have helped, but if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we can help you in that way. We stand ready to help you if you come as we stand and sing.